once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. This is episode 77, as in Secret 77. Anyone into Bad Brains? One of my first concerts? One of my first stage dives? Actually, my first stage dive, where I went onto a speaker and I jumped into the crowd, hit the floor. I think I was 14. I got after it as a kid, man. I got after it. Going to punk shows and slam dancing in the in the pit. But if I have episode 77, I got to bring up Bad Brains, one of the greats, an American original. This is the part of the show where we ask you to download, share, rate, and review. Tell a friend. We appreciate everyone out there tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to my European show. If you haven't heard it, it's up there. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting as uh, I brought my vacation to Europe into the soccer sphere and used it as a, uh, a foundation to talk about the sport from that perspective. So check that out. Check out the entire library of the Soccer OG on YouTube. Check out the Soccer OG, or I should say, check out the entire library on the podcast. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. I do have a New show out there about the silly season as it applies to Americans. And that will be the topic of our stoppage time later. Never seen anything like this. Never seen this many American players in the crosshairs for clubs in Europe. Some moving from big club to big club. Some from small to big. Some from big to small. But it's all important with the World Cup looming. That's in stoppage time. Stick around for that. Coming up in the business end, Tom Bogert, MLS insider, who broke the Gareth Bale story here in Los Angeles, working for LAFC, it's all about Gareth Bale. We await his arrival. I'm actually recording this on a Wednesday. I'm on my way to the stadium for the Giorgio Chiellini press conference, which I will be emceeing. I'm working on my Italian. Uh, I want to make a nice impact with my opening words. So all is happening right now with regards to LAFC. We'll talk to Tom Bogren about that. We'll talk about being an insider, and we'll talk a little bit about the... The marketplace for Americans. The Soccer OG. Check it out. We are off and running. Back here in the US of A. Let's go. Further proof that there is no offseason in the world of football or soccer. The European seasons are over. We're supposed to be in a World Cup. We're not. That's coming up in November. And yet here we are with a glut of topics to discuss, which we will get into it. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about what lies ahead because the uh, the marketplace has been phenomenal already. And it's going to get even bigger. So many clubs, not just making some tinkering, but doing some tinkering, but making massive changes to uh, their personnel. Uh, we're going to see massive changes with Barcelona. We're going to see massive changes with Juventus. We're going to see, it appears, massive changes for Chelsea. Manchester City is going to be active. Liverpool got their guy in Darwin Nunez. Manchester United, they haven't made moves yet, although we expect massive wholesale changes under their new manager, Eric Den Haag. Uh, we are now hearing reports of Frankie de Jong just about locked in, and that's going to open the floodgates for them. This is going to be as active a season as we had in many years. It kind of got quiet for a little bit, but uh, the gloves are off. 
World Cup year. Here we go. And that's going to keep us massively entertained. And that's why it's so important to have insiders like Tom Bogert, who will be joining us here in the business end. And we'll get all the information about Gareth Bale. It is absolutely fascinating how this deal got done. So tune in. And he's the guy who broke the story. And we'll talk to him about breaking that story because it almost didn't get broken. It almost was reported by LAFC. He was he. They were, they were basically 16 hours away from doing that, which is very, very rare. But this is why you have to follow Fabrizio Romano. You wake up in the morning, you go to his account, see what happened. David Ornstein, all the insiders. Man, being an insider, whoo, that is competitive. I know I worked at ESPN and I spoke a lot to Adam Schefter, more to Adrian Wojnarowski, who I, I consider a, a you know a, a, a colleague, an acquaintance. Uh, you know, when I see him, we talk. And I'm always fascinated about how that business is done. Obviously, you keep a lot close to the vest, but you're able to discuss a fair bit. But it really is remarkable, especially this time of year where so much is happening. It's about relationships. You know what? I'm not going to even get into that. We'll talk to Tom about what it's all about because he'll know a lot more than I will. So uh, we're starting to ramp up. There's a lot at stake. The U.S. finished their camp. There's stuff going on with the U.S. right now. They're in the under 20 um, CONCACAF competition. They made it to the semifinals, which means they will go to the 2023 World Cup, which is going to be in Indonesia. That'd be a nice road trip, right? <laughs> I never traveled to see the teams. Uh, looks like I'm not going to Qatar. Uh, I'll be doing some World Cup stuff. We're working on that right now. Maybe I still go. I'm not in any rush to go. I mean, a lot of us talked about, is that the World Cup you want to go? Going to a World Cup in Germany. I mean, even in Russia, just because Qatar, I mean, I'm sure it's not as bad with regards to, you know, we, we've created this, this idea where, you know, um, well, we've created this perception. Maybe it is this way. I don't know. It still makes me uncomfortable. Where about you, the latest story, you can't have, if you have sex, um, <laughs> Uh, if you have a one night stand or something, you can face seven years in jail or you've got to be careful about that. You can't be, uh, you can't really show off your homosexuality if you are a, a gay visitor in Qatar. You have to keep it in. See, that's all very unsavory. And I don't want to hear really much of that. I do want to see the games. I think it's going to be a riveting tournament. But, you know, if you had a pick of the World Cup, 2026, as we talked about, is going to be amazing. The Russia one was probably pretty interesting in its own right, obviously in 2018, not in 2022. But that is just maybe one rung above Qatar, in my estimation. And then uh, you have the great ones in places like Brazil or Germany, South Africa. I mean, South Africa, was a, there was some security issues, uh, just being safe. But what an experience that would be. But uh, get back on the rails here. The U.S. will qualify for the under-20 World Cup in Indonesia. Uh, it's a long plane ride, but it would be very, very fruitful. And this group of kids have done very well. You know, Paxton Aronson and Diego Luna and Caden Clark, they play with such joy. I've really enjoyed watching their games. They, play, they beat Costa Rica in the quarterfinals last night. The way they combine. Now... We'll have to see what they can do against much better opposition. They won't be able to play like that. They won't have that time on the ball. But they do have it now, and they're making the most of it. 
And it's really fun to watch. It's fun to watch that we play that kind of play. Uh, and Costa Rica is a, is not, is a squad, not, nothing to sneeze at. You know, they have a, a great profile. Their national team is going to the World Cup again. So that's a good result. We'll see if they can win this. But the good news is they booked their ticket for the World Cup, which is so much fun when the under-20 rolls around because you see the stars of tomorrow. I don't know how many of these players on this under-20 will become full national team players. I would. History shows us that it's usually three or four, a small handful of them. But uh, it's going to be fun to see who they are. The Aronson brothers, you know, they're on a rocket ship. Certainly Brendan and Al Paxton as well. Quinn Sullivan, um, McGlynn, Jack McGlynn, who I really, really like as a left footer, although he hasn't been the most influential player here. But there's a lot of them. And there's going to be the next group that watched them because it's changed in this country as to the development of players because they see a pathway. And now they see they see money. And that's all real good. And they see Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney having success. And we'll talk about some of the other American players that are now signing big deals. And they are big deals. That'll be coming up in stoppage time. Did also want to take my hat off to Carson Pickett, who uh, played for the U.S. women's national team in a win over Columbia. She was born without a left hand or a forearm. First player to do that. And, you know... Uh, it creates a very interesting conversation. Look, it's a sport where you kick the ball, but enough cannot be made about how hard it is. If, if you're missing a finger, how uh, you talk to physicians and how that is so difficult to overcome for balance and everything. Your body is your body. If you're missing parts of it, you have to make huge uh, strides to accommodate that. And Carson Pickett did it. And that is absolutely amazing because many, I'm sure, have tried. And she has gone through. We've seen, uh, I forgot his name, Abbott, who's the pitcher, who used to switch. He he was missing his hand and part of his arm. And he would switch the glove to throw the baseball. Like, oh, my goodness. It's just inspiring. And it was incredible to watch. So uh, I did want to say, Carson, thanks for making us all very, very proud. The Soccer OG, rate, review, download, and subscribe. Check out the Soccer OG YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We are getting into the business end. Tom Bogart, MLS Insider, overall good guy, an excellent mustache coming up next. To the business end, and joining me there is Tom Bogart, MLS insider, also for the U.S. men's national team. And it had to be thrilling for you, Tom. And we we talked about this uh, a couple days ago. For a story the size of Gareth Bale, it wasn't on the radar for anyone. You broke it, and you're getting props from the Fabrizio Romanos of the world. That had to be pretty satisfying. Yeah, uh, Max, thanks for having me. I believe this is my, my debut on this program. It's, it's very exciting for me. This is awesome. Oh, I, good I man. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. And again, like I feel, I feel uncomfortable with the idea that we're talking about the Gareth Bale transfer and the first thing is about me. And again, for anybody listening, I don't take myself overly seriously. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty anxious, anxiety riddled in, throughout the process. But, you know, if there wasn't anxiety, then I'd be liable to get things wrong. So a little, little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of worry isn't the worst thing always. Only I got, a little bit. I got bad news for you, Tom. I'm, we're here to talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and look, it, I, I'm fascinated with the 
with the insider um, responsibilities and what has what goes into all of that. So it's it's a tough job, and I certainly know that. I want to ask you a little bit about that a little bit later. But with regards to this this Gareth Bale move, we talked about it. It was nowhere. There was no reports of it. There was no smoke to the fire. It's it kind of came and it was a very well kept secret by LAFC and the Gareth Bale camp, which is extremely rare these days. Yeah, no, it really is. I think that's I think that speaks to truly how quickly this came together. The fact that, you know, this wasn't on anybody's radar if for the people that were doing the deal until after Wales qualified for the World Cup. So was that June 4th? So that was the first idea that this was a possibility, let alone something that was an actual serious thought. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot of players at LAFC think, yeah, we would sign him if we could. But like Keelan Abapa, who was out of the Bank of California, he's not going to like, uh, there's the word interest does a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of these stories. Um, so, but even that, the air quote interest really only started on that day. And then I don't know how quickly it became like, oh my God, there's a real possibility. So as you say, in the modern age, with, you know, all the, the great insiders out there, all of the wannabe insiders out there, um, all of the, like, you know, the, Gareth Bale has a big agency. There's a lot of people, uh, the, the agency that represents Bale uh, is large and has a lot of players. There are a lot of people, I imagine, that were in the know on this as a possibility. And as you point out, like, I think that's a testament. LAFC do really well working in the shadows. It makes my job uh, difficult a, a lot of the times. And, and I've done credit to all the people in Europe. And, and I know that we talked about this a little bit the other day, but even, even just the, the idea of, let's say Hatafe or Cardiff City or whatever, any of the other clubs that were trying to sign him, he informed them, I'm signing with LAFC. So those clubs should deserve a little bit of credit for not going, getting angry and being like, damn it, we're not signing Gareth Bale. Hey, reporter who is asking us about our summer plans. By the way, we tried to sign Gareth Bale, but he's not signing with us. So all of those things, it's, it's like, it, it's actually almost incredible that they were able to keep this under wraps for so long. Do you think that's going to happen more? I mean, is there a... I've always learned working at ESPN and you see Adam Schefter is the guy who breaks the stories and Woj breaks the NBA stories. It, you don't get stories broken by the clubs. I mean, that's like uh, from another era. Uh, but is that, is it, is it going to be harder to be able to break these stories? Do you think, or is this more of an isolated incident? Hopefully it's an isolated incident. <laughs> um, I mean, all things considered for the most part, like teams like this try to keep things under wraps. Like, even going back to like, I broke the, the Kellen Acosta trade over the off season. I didn't know that it was a possibility until the deal was done. Like, and, and, and Colorado and new England had almost had a deal agreed like a month ago. I didn't know about that until a month after he see, he was traded to LAFC, like things like that. Like some teams are, are, are really good at this. And like, you know, some people are able to kind of keep the, the circle really tight. And then, so it's easy to go, okay, if I'm talking to you about this trade and we haven't told the player or anybody else, it's me or it's you if it gets out. So like, I think that that's kind of helped. I think teams are smarter with that. Teams are getting good with that. And, and again, like sometimes early reporting can get in the way and overly complicate things. Like I think about the Sebastian Legette trade, it, it was reported prematurely that, that the deal was along the way. And then when I was asking people about it, like, they were pretty furious that that the news kind of was out there because it really complicated, like whatever it was, it's like, this might kind of toboggan in the deal. And, you know, you, it, it, it's my duty to report the news, but you, you never want to be in that situation. So it, it, it's pretty nuanced. And again, I don't know how interesting this is to, to everyone, the, the little ins and outs of this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the short answer is I know, I, I hope that it doesn't get more difficult to be a big deal. Tom, it's interesting to me. And I, I would imagine this for a lot of folks because it's, 
to your point, you said the early reporting. I mean, you, you've got to know when you kind of bring the, the hammer down, right? And say this is because you don't want to say Garrett Bale uh, reports, blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't happen. You want to it's all about accuracy. Correct. So <laughs> you got to have a really good, you know, you've got to have a good head headspace about when to maybe report something, when to hold something, mm-hmm. when to massage the relationships that you have. I mean, it's th- I, I take it this is all relationship driven with regards to this. You got to be, yeah. a, you're a good guy, and that comes through. But a lot of the insiders maybe not as pleasant <laughs> in their demeanor as you sometimes, <laughs> but they still get it. But I think that's something that's to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, look, I, the, what I've found is just being genuine and being yourself, like, and and trying to be transparent is is really how, how it's worked well for me or whatever. And again, like, like you said, it is managing relationships because if you're again, and, and air quote, if you report something too early, one more more than anything else, you risk being wrong, and that's the, the number one priority. But two is if you're reporting something too early, then you lessen the likelihood that somebody tells you something. Okay, I can't trust him or okay, he's, he's looking incredibly selfish, things like that. So that, again, that's all part of it. These, these conversations. And, and again, speak, I, I, I'm overly cautious because I'm petrified of getting something wrong. Um, and, and thankfully to my knowledge, nothing, nothing's been wrong or, or, you know, misleading yet, but you know, like even going back to the, the, the story at hand, the Dale story, I reported it as finalizing. I was like 99.9% sure that it was all done, but I was, you know, okay. Like overly cautious, overly cautious. Like what if something goes wrong, like whatever it is. So I, I try to be very, very careful by using the words done and, and, and stuff like that. And, and sometimes it sounds boring and, and like overly nuanced and, and overly cautious where I'll be like, most likely this will probably like, you know what I mean? I, I, there's sometimes where I know that I catch myself, but I'd rather err on that side rather than just like thundering around elbows out. This is done. This is happening. Like I have this right. Like, and then something falls through. I think I lost your audio, Tom, but I'll, I'll keep God. talking. Oh, there it is. You're back. You're back. You're back. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, st- I did stop talking. So it was for, <laughs> maybe it was just that. I think it was for a quick clip, but uh, I did hear what you said. And I think with the, the Gareth Bale one, because you were kind of on an Island cause this was your story and you know, it, and then it, it extrapolates. And obviously these other guys that will, um, break the stories. They got to do their due diligence as well. Mm. But just your thought when that came to the, your table and you saw one of the biggest names that will ever come to this league, some would argue the biggest talent wise mm-hmm. uh, and the, and maybe the suddenness of it where it goes from, uh, okay, we're on the clock here. This is going to happen. And I did not hear about this a couple of days ago. And here it is. What were the, what were those like emotions like for you? Cause that has to be exciting. No, it's exciting. And, and the, 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 again, the negative side of that is, is anxious, anxiety. I'm, you know, refreshing Twitter, the site searching, every combination of bail, LAFC, LA Galaxy, in case that they, they did the mistake like they do sometimes people in Europe. Uh, all of these different combinations, like, oh, my God, like, I really am first. All right, like, I've gotten two confirmations. I need to get a third. What time is it on the Pacific Coast? Uh, Pacific time right now? Crap, it's Saturday morning. It's too early to be calling people, like, SOS text, all this stuff, so. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of anxiety and it was a lot of me like looking at my phone. Like, I know that I have the, the volume on for notifications. I know that I won't miss it. But if I divert my eyes for a second, maybe I'll miss the phone call. Maybe I'll miss the text. So, yeah, it was some combination of anxious, fun, whatever you want to call it. And then 
And then a lot of more phone calls flooded in after after the the news went live. I'm sorry, <laughs> Tom. I did the same thing. I did searches because we kind of had some information, <laughs> and I didn't think about maybe I should put in the galaxy because <laughs> someone in Europe, <laughs> someone in Europe got the LA teams wrong, which is so <laughs> so possible. <laughs> <laughs> These are the thoughts that run through my mind when I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to take credit away from somebody else or whatever. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's going the extra mile, my friend. That's really good. <laughs> I'm oh. on. Imagine if in the time I'm searching LA Galaxy Gareth Bale to make sure that nobody got it wrong. In that time, somebody else got the news out before me. I would never forgive forgiven myself. Uh, some guy in some guy in Wales, he goes, Yeah, Gareth Bale is going to the galaxy. Print it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank goodness, thank goodness we avoided that, but smart on you to go take that extra step to make sure that that wasn't out there in the, the Twitter sphere. Uh, uh, I just, I mean, uh, trust me, I could talk about this all day, but I know people would like to hear about the Gareth Bale, um, mm -hmm. the deal itself. Let's talk about the deal because, you know, I was I was reading Paul Tenorio's article and uh, it's so convoluted in the way MLS thing does things, this discovery rights, which is the most one of the most yeah. ridiculous things because I know you said it inter Miami said, Hey, we want to sign Gareth Bale. And because of that, or we are considering <laughs> they have to pay LAC has to pay the money. Um, but just looking at the way it happens, um, how do you view the, 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 the transfers in the MLS sphere? <laughs> and is there, do you see this changing uh, to be maybe a little more friendly to these kind of situations? <laughs> Hopefully, but a couple quick sidebars. One, when Paul started to write that story, pretty much uh, explaining to the Athletic UK's uh, readers, explaining to non-MLS fans, I texted him immediately. I was like, did you break out like a special bottle of wine? Like this is, this is like- It's gonna be a long you, one. I know how much you <laughs> you love explaining these things and like getting sucked in and he like, he laughed. He was like, oh my God, like I was born to write this. This made me so happy. I, was, I had a smile <sighs> on my face the whole time. Um, and then two, another one with the discovery rights. I don't understand why DC United gave away the chance to just get some allocation again these are silly rules but like if you play the game right you can pick up some extra money here and there um there's a funny story that one club told me um about say with when it when there's like gms that let's just say don't respect or totally understand mls rules and it's part it was just fc cincinnati they were referring to and they were about to sign a player they they filed the paperwork and they forgot about the discovery list and just forgot to put the player on the discovery list. So I was talking to a club, and like the club was like, "Tell me, he's like, yeah, like I don't feel great about this, but it's part of the rules." So like, I just looked up and and checked out. Hey, did did uh, did this player has he been on anybody's discovery list? And they were like, no. So <laughs> they put him on the discovery list and just got fifty thousand in allocation money from from Cincinnati just because that they forgot that step. But again, I think that's a good way to highlight. I hope that these things change. Discovery list is, is probably the thing that. I hope changes the most that are homegrown territories, probably homegrown territories more so because that's actually, I think a bit of an issue rather than say the, uh, the, again, the allocation stuff, it, it's, it's silly discovery stuff it could be silly, but like, it's not, it's not a huge thing. And you know, I hope so. And, and again, I, that's how the league grows. And there have been changes that, that have benefited the league over the years. The league has demonstrated a, tolerance to changing things and moving forward. And when like the chief soccer officers, bring these things and bring potential solutions the league is listening again I, I understand that a lot of people listening maybe say that it's not happening quickly enough but look like the way like this league could have contracted in the early 2000s and under this same leadership it did and so uh like i understand the criticisms but like you know i i, I 
do kind of sympathize with why that the league office is probably going to be cautious about some of these things. But, you know, hopefully in the future, I think it will change. I just don't know when. Yeah, and much respect for me, man. I've been gamefully employed by this league over the years, and uh, it, I was there. It was this close <laughs> to going kaput, and we're here. And a lot of it's because they do things in a way that is a little more modest and more mm. cautious for the the width and breadth of the league. And I understand that. But you know, these are the the deals that maybe kind of show that it's ready to expand a little bit. Time will mm. tell. But and look, uh, some folks are listening to this and going. What are you guys talking about? And this is, <laughs> this is the machinations of the league. Uh, there's a lot to it. I talked to Tom once and said, we should do a show about that. He goes, really? <laughs> you really you're going to lose all your listeners because it is it is tedious. But it's, it's, it is interesting. Oh, it's <laughs> it is. But I mean, obviously, it makes your job a lot more difficult because you have to be up to speed with all the inner workings that it, allow these trades to happen. So it is like, to happen. Uh, a self like serious point like you can see the guys who do the work and don't do the work like i i the, the positive spin for this on me that's, that's a like, real positive spin is that like i know these things because like i keep up and like i keep asking questions and sources and everything but hey let me just double check that this is right and the people who don't they, they get found out you know and so at, at that point like it, it's a way to say all right and then when, when you're talking to sources it's like okay this person clearly has an understanding or like is trying to understand even if I don't have it perfectly right. So I think that's helpful. But another thing, man, like with like casual fans who aren't MLS fans, you know, I have, I'm in like a pretty toxic group chat of like friends that like I had growing up that are in soccer. And like, dude, if I hear another stupid joke or stupid, oh my God, like how to like, they think every single signing comes from the allocation order and they, they make fun of it and try to make a joke. And like, it's like whack-a-mole, no matter what it is, it's like, no, this is you're wrong it's okay then the next thing comes up oh lol tam gp gareth bale i don't know they're just making new rules for lefc and it's like no it's no they're not man like these are jokes that from 2009 like get new material bro so <laughs> that's usually when it bothers me and it's again it's not it's not like it's all coming out stuff. tom <laughs> it's when they're my friends and i'm like you're killing me man you really yeah. are well that's yeah. like the perception of the league which we all have to overcome and that's just another layer they'd like to poke and jab fun yeah. but it, it works and by the way Fun, uh, is a, fun is a diff- uh, interesting way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, this league, <laughs> yeah. this league's going to get on better footing because of all of this. But I, I, I'm there, yeah. and I, I go on Twitter, and I, I see the jokes. And I go, these people that just don't understand. Uh, basically, what you said: the this is a young league that went through some harrowing episodes, and this is the mechanisms to where they can get to a better footing, and they are on a better footing, and the future looks yeah. very exciting. Uh, and to your point. And I, I, I would never say a general manager or any club doesn't know all the inner workings. But to me, John Thorington seems like you would. OK, good. <laughs> so that, that that is a perfect segue. So, I mean, that John Thorington has been really savvy with using all these mechanisms to even to the point where he's been able to sign Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bale to Tam because you have to have Tam money, which he does. Mm-hmm. And that really can help separate some folks. I think John Thorington probably at the top of the list. Is that fair to say? close to it yeah he, he's definitely up there look like i mean for me it, it garth lagerway given what he did with real salt lake before seattle and everything he's done in seattle he's got to be the gold standard but guys like john thornington ernst tanner porig smith you know again i'm, I'm sure that i'm I'm, th- I'm leaving off some guys that, that i really respect but like these are some of the clubs that you know if, if i'm reporting something and i hear two of those three clubs are interested in the player i just assume the player is really good because i'm like all right i respect all of, like the the ways that these guys kind of operate and the value they find their talent identification. And then in understanding rules, LEFC were one of the first clubs that like 
had all three U22 initiative slots filled. A lot of teams have struggled with that. A lot of teams haven't gotten it completely right. LAFC, two of their three players are absolute starters. Jose Cifuentes is, you know, somebody pushing all-star, even best 11 kind of kind of quality. World Cup, World Cup uh, yeah, squad, World maybe Cup player. featured player. And, and other teams have used the U22 initiative slot on players that aren't even making the bench. So, you know, that's another thing. And, and again, they understand that we need to have a young DP so we can use those three roster spots. That's one way to spend more money outside of the cap because the transfer fees don't get incorporated. Into, but it's just like, and that happened immediately. Like they understood this is how we best want to use this. And then there's other things like Will Koontz, the assistant GM, brilliantly smart on his own. He also used to work at the league office. So he has an understanding of, of this stuff. You know, everybody has their capologist or whatever it is. He's somebody that, that comes with, with a unique understanding or, or I, again, they're not the only team that has somebody that used to work in the league office, but it's super helpful. And he's, again, a, a really, really smart guy. So I think one of the things that Thornton is good at and all the good front offices do this well is that it's not just John Thornton making every decision unilaterally. Like he, the, the scouting department is, is robust and those opinions are trusted. You're never going to go 100% on, on these signings, but LAFC, again, along with some other clubs like Colorado, Philly, Vancouver lately have kind of really, you know, sparked up in that. Like, you're never going to go 100%, but if you take enough big swings and you, you do the process correct more often than not when they come through. So, like, again, it, I, I don't think it's unfair to say something to the fact that John Thornton and this front office and, and the staff kind of have a leg up on, on some other teams. And, and also, like, I, I will point out, you know, while, while I'm giving all these this comment in these phrases, Another thing they have is Los Angeles, right? Like, yeah, of course. Gareth yes. and George O'Keeley might not have come to Vancouver or Philly or wherever. It is, you know what I mean? So Los Angeles is a recruiting tool, but they're maximizing that. So I don't know. I, I, again, I th- and, and they're they're doing it in the right way. They're not they're not taking any player who who's offered. And like we've talked about this before, not to belabor the same points, but they get reached out from old, their, air quote, older star European players all the time. Yeah. And they haven't and he said them. as much. He said, they all, he yeah. said, I was talking to Johnny. He goes, he always walks by some players and they all say like, ah, LAFC, my next club. And I go, he says, yeah. I hear that all the time. Yeah. So, so that, so while LA Los Angeles is a big recruiting tool, it could be a detriment if you're just using it incorrectly and getting the wrong players. So they deserve credit for that. Correct me if I'm right. How many uh, sexy destinations do we have in MLS? I'm trying to grow a list of at least 10. So the two LA clubs, obviously. Yeah. I, we could say the two New York teams because it's New York. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Miami. Miami. Can we say Orlando for some, not all? Um, I'm going to use a joke that isn't my joke, but that somebody somebody pointed out after Orlando signed a couple of Brazilians. It was, you know, South like Brazilians or South Americans love Disney World. Disney World, that, that yeah, everybody loves Disney World. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you Orlando. Okay. But they like to leave Disney World too. That's, a, that's the appeal. <laughs> so uh, Nashville? Mm. Maybe, uh, maybe growing, burgeoning one. Uh, I, I, look, I, 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 you know, biased from MLS, but like I could give, I could come up with reasons for all these places. Like even yeah. Toronto. With, Toronto, I think Toronto is, I think Toronto is one. Yep. Yep. And, and obviously the money that, that they're putting in that, that it, it, it all the total package. So, and maybe that's part of it too. Cause like, I don't, I don't see like say a Philadelphia union putting up, you know, whatever Insignia is getting paid, something like that. So I don't, maybe like I'm conflating those two things, but yeah, I, I do think that there are a lot of nice destinations. Like, Northern California is a nice destination. Colorado is a nice destination, but those yeah. clubs are probably not going to be able to get those for whatever right. reason. But there, there's a lot of destinations. Look, if I'm if I'm a, a I like to ski, and I'm a, let's say Robert Lewandowski is a big skier, <laughs> and he's heard stories about Aspen and uh, Breckenridge. He's like, I want to go. 
So maybe that helps, but that's, it's obviously a smaller thing. But there's probably like eight clubs, I think, that can have that. Obviously, the L.A. clubs probably stand above yeah. it. Not just because of L.A., because there's this clout with those teams, too. You know, the Galaxy mm-hmm. are the gold mm-hmm. standard, and, and LAFC yep. have kind of created this incredible thing. But that gives me that gives me comfort that there that list is uh, – It's not upward. just the two teams. <laughs> <laughs> it's trending upward, but we'll see. Uh, how, how big is this? this Gareth Bale signing and even more so, cause I know I see your tweets and you get me excited when you, when you'll say something like Gareth Bale, Lorenzo and Signe's in Toronto. I mean, that's massive and that's getting overshadowed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be more big names coming and I'm sure you're going to be probably breaking a bunch of them, but what does this tell you so. about this core 2022, maybe back in the 2021 of players uh, coming into this league and what it might mean. It's a different kind of profile. Like you look at, you know, even taking away Keelini and who, again, I, the center backs are different and it's a case by case basis. Like Wayne Rooney was kind of past his prime, but he was a fantastic signing because his mentality. And like, I look at Giorgio Keelini like that. And until it's kind of proven different then like, that's how I'm going to operate. But I even, if so, if you take him away, you look at Gareth Bale, Jared Anshakiri, captains of their national teams going to the World Cups. You look at Hector Herrera, going to be a starter for Mexico at the World Cup. Like, Forgot about Hector Herrera. Amazing. Yeah, right? Yeah. Lorenzo o- uh, led, Italy, led Italy to the uh, European Championship and gets clean and he did too. This is just a year ago. I'm certain that he hasn't lost every single step. Like, So these are guys that are kind of different levels of their career. You know, um, it's still... It's still not early prime or mid prime. Like Insignia is probably a little closer. I think he turns 31 or 30, whatever it is. But like, it's not a 34, 35, 36 year old. It's not Pirlo. I forget how old he was, um, but he was older when he was still playing really well at Juventus before he came to NYCC. So this, these things, it's different. That That's the big thematic that I look at. It's not just, okay, we're going to take a name because we're going to take a name. Like Insignia probably could have stayed at Napoli he, or he could have. I'm sure that there were, uh, you know, a lot of other Italian teams would have loved him. A lot of teams across Europe probably would have loved him. Hector Herrera, after he signed with Houston, there was a run of games where he played like eight in a row for Atletico Madrid. If I was told by people in Houston, if that happened in January, we wouldn't have been able to sign him. That's that's what they told me. So like, these are players that, again, it's, it's fair to say it's, it, it's the end of their prime, or even if you want to be more cynical, exiting their prime, which I don't think so, but I'll, I'll at least listen to that argument. It's not clearly past the prime. These aren't it's not, it's not, like, it's these, not over the hill. It's not over the hill. Yeah, not over the hill. And again, these the, the game the names I just these are all going to be starters at the World Cup. Like they could have preferred to go somewhere else to like stay fit for the world, whatever it is, stay at the top of the game. This isn't like after the 2014 World Cup and some World Cup based players are coming here. Like these are guys that are still ramping up. Like national team coaches sign off on all of these decisions, or at least give their opinion. Like they all were okay with this. Like I, I, I this these. I don't know. The perception is different, and I understand that my, that we're going to be the first ones to say it because we're within the league and, and we watch it on, on a daily basis, but the perception is changing around the world. Just a, an afterthought about the Toronto FC, because I heard someone talking about how there's a huge Italian population in Toronto. Yeah. And I did a, an interview with Sebastian Jovinko when I was at ESPN, and I followed him around, and he was he loved it. He was so comfortable. He had yeah. his cafe. He was, he had his friends and it felt like he was in Italy. And I think Insigne is going to, is going to uh, follow suit. Uh, he's, I think he said it's his first time his family's been out of Naples. So he's going to do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's more times, which uh, maybe it's a great time to strike on Italian players because they're not going to the world cup and fresh start, whatever it is yeah. that that will certainly provide it. But it's also the fact that it's not one or two guys. I mean, if you're in, yeah. If you're in that 30 to 34 range, which 34 is not as old as it was 10 years ago. I'm watching every sport 
where athletes, uh, I saw, you know, Rafa Nadal still crushing these kids. Tom Brady still throwing the ball and being MVP. It's, it's not what it used to be in these sports and certainly soccer and even Messi and Ronaldo yeah. have a lot to give and they're 35, 36. So uh, it, it's different, but even then at 32, 33, it has to be changing the perspective of some of these players when they look over there and they don't just see uh, Insignia, they see Bale, they see Chiellini, they see Herrera, mm. they see Shakiri, all the names that you mentioned. And that's got to be a big draw as well. Yeah, no, and, and, and that helps too. It's, and it's like even looking at this like thematically with the Americans or MLS exports that have gone to Europe, like, you know, it was Pulisic, McKinney, and Tyler Adams are kind of the first ones. And then all of a sudden the prices went up and more teams sent scouts here. More teams looked at this and said, okay, we have, we have a baseline for this is what the talent looks like. And then so guys in Europe are watching what Carlos Vela is doing. Like that looks like a really great life. Then that looks like a really good experience, what, he, what he's been doing with LAFC since he got here. Like Lorenzo Insigne, I'm certain that he watched Sebastian Giovinco in Toronto. And it's like, oh, that probably looks cool. Like, there are trailblazers and then it just makes the path easier for everybody else. And like, even in the MLS example, um, I'm Hamas and Olave, a uh, center back that Real Salt Lake signed defender of the year. He was, maybe he wasn't the first Colombian center back in MLS, but he was the best success story. And then guess what? Every team sent scouts to Colombia looking for center back. Like that's, that's how it goes. That's how these markets open. And that's how things proliferate and become regular rather than just one off. Remarkable. Uh, you mentioned some of the U.S. players. I'll pivot this quickly, and I know I've taken enough of your time, and no. you've probably got another story to break. I know you do, Tom. <laughs> I know you got something under that cap. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I've been. I'm going to be talking about it a little bit, but it, it's an incredible summer market for American players, more so for those that are already in Europe and maybe switching clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just was reading Jordan Pifok possibly going to the Bundesliga. It seems mm-hmm. like Christian Pulisic, with what's happening in Chelsea, maybe making a move. Will time will tell. Um, uh, Zach Steffen. There's a lot, and yep. that also we also have to include the the MLS players that will make a move uh, to Europe to follow the dozens that have made successful. Some not all that successful, mm-hmm. but by and large, it's been an, it's been a phenomenon. How do you see this market for American players? What who are some guys that maybe stu- stood out? that are maybe already in Europe or maybe coming from the U S that you think uh, are ready that are, uh, I know you're a big Dewan Jones guy and I'm excited to see. <laughs> I, I, I've been following him because of you recently over the last few weeks. And I've been blown away at uh, what a talent he is, but uh, there are guys here and maybe there's a big move as well for the, you're obviously not going to break any stories, but <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of yeah. stuff moving on. Yeah, look, I mean, Galaga Sunina is going to be the first because he's, he's the wonder boy. He's, he's the, 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 boy, the teenage goalkeeper who people have been comparing to Buffon, maybe a little bit unfairly and put someone under a microscope when, like, you use the word ready. I don't, he would, he will be loaned back if and when a deal is agreed. So maybe ready isn't the right word. But, like, look, it's Chelsea and Real Madrid that are really trying to sign him. And, like, that's pretty wild. And, and it's pretty wild. We haven't even talked about that for a couple of weeks because nothing new has happened. Like, Three years ago, we'd be no matter if there was updates or not, we'd be talking about that every single day because that's and now it's just like oh cool like look at that Chelsea and Real Madrid are trying to sign an American player. Uh, yeah, Dewan Jones is one that we'll see if the interest turns into real offers or whatever it is, or if New England will sell because look they've they've already lost I think four starters now from their last the team last year, so it's it's a difficult thing to do if you're going to keep losing key players, and I, I would understand it if they try to keep him and, and some other guys to reset for you know this MLS Cup run. Um, I'll tell me, and, and I know you said Americans, but like I know that uh, Shaquille Marshall Ruddy, um, a Canadian, yeah. really, really we, strong we, talent. We include the Canadians here. They're part of our. <laughs> they're part of our uh, our show makeup. 
We look out for them, I, I hope. <laughs> I'd say that if he didn't get hurt at the end of the season, and he's back now, he's not starting yet, but he was ready to be the starting right back, a new position for him at 17 years old, already has been with the Canadian senior national team. I do think that if he didn't get hurt, there'd be a lot more smoke around his future. And there still might be. Like Clubs are smart enough to know that, okay, just because he was out for six or eight weeks doesn't mean that he's a different player now. So that's another kid. Like, look, he was training with Liverpool and Arsenal over the winter. Club Bruges or teams, all these teams. There's a lot of teams in Europe that, that really, really like him. I was talking to somebody in Toronto that said, I think we could get eight or 10 million for him right now if we wanted to sell. And this was a kid who had played like eight MLS games. Like, it's wild. Like, so that these are wild. some of the ones that come off the top of my head. George Mihailovic, it sucked so much that he got hurt when he did. I think he's ready. I was hoping that he was going to get a move. Like, I love him in, in Montreal. And, like, selfishly, I, I would hope for him to stay. But it, the, the, the age profile, the timing, capitalizing kind of on, on your extended run of form, I think it would have been a nice time for him to move. Look, there's still time. He's out, only out, I think, for another three weeks. Oh, so good. as long as he's fit and playing again, yeah, as long as he's fit and playing again, there's plenty of time. And we, 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 like, we like to think that every single club has plans well ahead of time. But there are a lot of teams that are operating kind of by the seat of their pants or like targets one through three fall through. And then, oh, my God, it's August 15th. We need a new number. We need a number 10 bad. Oh, Georgie Mihailovic. So I don't know. Those are just some of the guys that kind of come to the top of my head. And Georgie Mihalovic, I think, would be, as they say, pret-a-porte. He would go over there and be ready to make an impact. It's not a – he looks so ready based on what he's done. To me, he's my MVP of the league, even with the injury, yeah. because he's so influential. He gets his – he gets his teammates involved. And, again, it's disappointing to see that because it was – this was his time, and, well, injuries oh happen. Look, I, I would say that about Aaron Long, too. It seemed like it was his yeah. time, and the Achilles goes, and um, – Mm. it's good to see him back on his track. I don't know if he, he's still, if he's, if he's maybe a little too old to make a move, maybe, maybe. Well, he well, so, so that, that's an interesting one. That's the Red Bulls were pretty unrealistic in their valuation for him. And again, it, it, looking at it from their side, like some of these players are difficult to sell because how do you replace their value? And if, when he was, you know, the, there was a 5 million offer from him from France, I think it was three years ago. And like that's felt like a fair price, but the Red Bulls were like that. That's not worth it enough for us. But then if they put a $10, 15 million dollar price range, like if you're the clubs that were bidding on him, why would we pay that much for a twenty seven year old who's played three years in MLS or whatever it is? You know what I mean? He's a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, but Long's contract's up after the season. Um, I don't know if he's going to go to Europe. I don't know if he's going to stay with the Red Bulls. Um, I figured that they would have signed him to a new contract if he was going to, but that could always change. Um, for him, I think what's really interesting is. He, he was a DP-worthy center back, if there ever was one, for the past couple of years. Walker Zimmerman got the bag. I think in free agency, Aaron Long's going to have plenty of offers. Right. And, and that's something that I think is worth mentioning because when everyone sees a, a talented American player, they go, oh, he's got to go to Europe. He's got to go to Europe. And, <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, Walker Zimmerman's hitting all his benchmarks yeah. uh, and he's making money. And you don't walk away from that kind of money. I mean, Jesus Fedeta is another one, right? I mean, that's a guy yeah. who's got to be really happy with the money he's making and way of life staying yeah. at home. We'll see and more of that. 20 or 21, whatever it is. Like, he's got plenty of time to go in the future if he wants to. Or, again, if you, if you want to be a legend for NFC Dallas for two decades, play good soccer, make good money, like, stay at home, that's cool, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's important that you noted that, hey, like, this isn't a cookie-cutter thing. I Like, there's some – like, Weston McKinney – Made total sense for him to go to Europe right when he was ready. That's not the, that's not the case for everybody, and it's not the case for everybody that should the first offer they should go. And some some players should stay longer. Some players shouldn't stay. Like it's I I just don't like the binary arguments of you're good, you must go to Europe. Like what do you what does Europe mean? Should he go to the Cypriot League? 
Should he go to the Turkish second division? Should he go to the English third division? Like that's Europe, like Scandinavia. Like, I don't know. So it doesn't sound so, it doesn't sound so appealing when you describe it like that, Tom. (laughs) Oh man. I, there was, there was a player that I heard from one of the, one of the Canadian clubs that like they weren't, he wasn't, they didn't think he was ready for the first team, but he was too good for the second team. And they were like either kind of go on loan to a USL team or the uh, Canadian premier league. And he was like, no, like, I'm not going to do that. And And like, but he would have accepted like the Norwegian second tier just because it was Europe. And like, they were working to explain with him, Hey man, like USL is better than that. You know that, right? <laughs> like, so like, uh, this is better for your development, but so it, it's a real perception thing. And, and it's a real thing that players think about the fans think about. So, you know, it is what it is. they do. And you're right. This binary outlook uh, and the perception is, is like, you go, Oh, it would have been applauded. Hey, Norway, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Switzerland, nah, Cypriot, Cypriot league, which is hilarious. That's I'm going to use that one by the way. John. Uh, but that it, it's, we, we, we celebrate that too much. And, part of it is the perception of this league, which is getting really good mm-hmm. and is on a trajectory where it will be you know, top 10, maybe 20 years top, because it's still in diapers. This, this league, it's yeah. impossible to think it, it'll get, to, it'll get to these, these levels because all the ingredients are in place and we're seeing it in real time with these players coming over here as well. But it's like, you know, I have those arguments too, and I'm on there and you go, well, oh, he's an MLS player. And I talk to these, some of these, some folks on Twitter, I go, how could you call yourself? Because this, it all, it's all about the U.S. men's national team, really. Yeah. This guy should play. I go, how could you call yourself a U.S. men's national team and look so poorly on MLS yeah. when 80% of the roster has MLS DNA and <laughs> 30% are still here? I, I, I don't understand why you yeah. would be so negative towards it, but it's the world yeah, we live in. I agree. And, and look, and, and again, not to pile on or not to, I know that people listening might think that I'm sounding like a super homer, super corporate guy for MLS. Well, but like, we are homer, but we, we watch the European leagues. We watch those yeah. players. We enjoy it, but we're being real about it all. Like Greg I think. Berhalter just, just yeah, I, I think so too. That's a, that's a good caveat. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Greg Berhalter just did an interview with um, ESPN and he said, there are some guys who I think left MLS too early. Like any point, even at George Bellow, who's, like should have like somebody that he, he didn't go to a team that was like way above his level. He went to a team in the relegation battle in Germany. So theoretically that should be every opportunity to play. But he even said like, you know, would it had, would it have made more sense for him to stay in MLS and start every single game for Atlanta at a good level and then go like maybe. And like, again, I, I still thought that was, that was a move that made sense for him. But like, look, like it's not this binary 100% oh European clubs offering. You got to go. Like these are things that, that clubs think about. And these are things that smart representation thinks about like, even a real quick tangent on Brandon Aronson, he could have, the union could have gotten a higher transfer fee from another club and he could have gotten a higher contract offer from another club, but collectively they didn't bring the best place for you. And now he's at Leeds and like, because it worked out perfectly. Like the long-term thinking is so important with all of these moves. Another story that uh, Tom broke there with Brandon Aronson, <laughs> as he, as you can't see it, a big grin comes on his face. Uh, he mentioned Brian Reynolds too. And I think at the time we were all excited, Roma, Roma, Roma. But deep down, we all thought, uh, is this, <laughs> I mean, Mourinho, we know. Well, Mourinho wasn't isn't... there when they bought him. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Okay. But I mean, but even, th- but even then it's like, it's like, this is a big ask. This is a huge club. Yeah. And so it is Tom, uh, you are a phenomenon. I appreciate your time. I, I expect you now to disconnect here, fill a cooler of your favorite beverages and go to the beach there. <laughs> Take some time off, and I know it's going to be very busy, but I appreciate you joining me. It means a lot for my little podcast here. <laughs> Come on, Max. You're a legend, of course. I always got uh, time for you. You just name, you just name it.
Okay, I will take out that, but appreciate you. <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, even my legendary status as I sit here in this grotto and God knows where, talking to you in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Tom Bogert here at the Business End joining me. We'll be back here with Stoppage Time to talk about the, uh, the movement in the U.S. men's national team players in Europe. We'll be right back. Time now for stoppage time, and it's an exciting time for soccer fans everywhere because of the summer market, which is open. Things are happening. Big moves, big moves. And never in my memory have we seen one that is going to be so monumental for U.S. players. Now, we have been able to populate some of these big clubs over the years with Christian Pulisic going to Chelsea, Weston McKinney to Juventus, Sergio Dest to Barcelona, Tyler Adams to Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, but they're not all kind of mentioned in the same window, and they kind of are right now. There really isn't an American player that is 100% locked into their current club. There is smoke around all of them, all of them. I think most of them probably stay, but some will move. And we'll start at the top. Christian Pulisic, how could, how can Chelsea keep him? How can Chelsea keep him is the question. They've just, Rafinha is on his way. And Rafinha is as productive uh, a wide player as you will find in the Premier League. And we'll have this discussion. And look, I concede a lot when Christian Pulisic's at Chelsea. Craig Burley called me out on ESPN FC for being the Pulisic fanboy. I am the poster boy. We all do it, U.S. men's fan. But I'm trying to approach this with a level head and commenting on what I see. And the it heard, started with Raheem Sterling. And I was upset that Christian Pulisic was behind the pecking order of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. I think he's a better player. Havertz, uh, I think, has played above and beyond and has had some great moments for Chelsea. But I think Christian Pulisic is, is a guy you want in the big moments in bigger sessions, bigger minutes. Raheem Sterling, I don't know if Christian Pulisic can compete with. He's a little bit away from his best ever play, speaking of Sterling. But that was two years ago. And two years ago, he was the top 10 player in the world. What he did that season is top three. Okay, we can say Messi, Ronaldo. No, no, Messi, Ronaldo were not having a season like Raheem Sterling in 2019 and 2020. It was prolific. Now, Rafinha... Rafinha is a guy that the numbers say is at or near the top of his position. And they're going to make a big investment. He is going to play. That is a guy they have earmarked to be part of the new era of Chelsea. Doesn't bode well for Christian Pulisic. And now he talks about Neymar. So Christian Pulisic has to make a stink. There is this Juventus swap that is on the table. Um, it, it's, it, it's not so cut and dry, right? Uh, there's a lot of uh, parts involved that keep it out of Pulisic's and it, it it doesn't warm you with comfort when you 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 see that he is part of a 
a trade, so to speak. Uh, but it's to Juventus, and a lot is happening with Juventus. Players will be coming and going. They're going through an overhaul. Uh, I really like what's happening in Italian football, by the way, with Milan doing well. Granted, Italian football not in the the great moment that it uh, not making the World Cup, but you know, Inter getting Lukaku back, Milan making all sorts of moves. They're going to be up there. My, Tim Weah was mentioned as possibly going to Milan, which is very exciting, following in his dad's footsteps. Juventus are going to make a huge splash. And we'll see about the Napolis and the Romans as well. But Italy, the Serie A, uh, exciting stuff in this so far in this marketplace. But Christian Pulisic, part of a Juventus swap, and it is all about Juventus trying to get Matthias de Ligt, or I should say Chelsea trying to get Matthias de Ligt. And it would be money and either Pulisic or Werner. It really f- comes into the situation of Juventus see Pulisic as a guy that they would want. And that really is what it comes down to. I would like to think he is. You know, Paulo Dybala no longer with the club. Maybe there's room for someone like him to pull uh, the strings a little bit and give them a little pace. So uh, that's a great position for him, a club with that stature, and to play with Weston McKinney, who could be on the move. There was that Tottenham Hotspur interest, but uh, Spurs, I believe, signed Basuma uh, from Brighton. So they got their midfielder. Weston McKinney probably stays at Juventus. And, well, we would all watch Serie A till we're blue in the face with a Juventus team featuring Pulisic and McKinney, wouldn't we? It's great to see these partnering up possibilities because Tim Weah was also uh, reported that Valencia was interested and to think of Weah and Musa together is pretty exciting. I think Weah stays at Lille. I think it's a place where he can really take a stranglehold of that club and become a more featured player. A lot of Lille players moving on. Uh, Christophe Gaultier now at PSG. He is looking at Renato Sanchez. Jonathan David is likely on the move. Who knows where he goes? That opens the door. It's an opportunity for Tim Weah to become a, a featured guy at a good club that was in the Champions League. I don't think they'll be in the Champions League next year. But it doesn't all come about that. Right now it's about playing time, right? So I think Weah uh, should stay. There is, uh, back to the Christian Pulisic situation. I mean, that's the big one that has to drop. And I've said it many times on this podcast. It's never been a great fit for him there. He needs to change the scenery, but it's really not up to him. He's under contract. There's an American ownership. He is a valuable asset, but he's got to play. And it's got to come down to Thomas Tuchel. They've got to be honest with him as well. And when you sign Rafinha, and if it's Raheem Sterling or Neymar, you've got to be honest and tell him you're not going to play a lot here. And Chelsea, with the financial situations they are in, they can't have luxury players. No luxury players. Chelsea has to be wise, and the league and everyone involved has to hold them over the coals, right? So if they're bringing in these players, they got to let some go. But we, we want to keep Christian Pulisic at an elite club because he's an elite player. We'll not talk about who's better than Christian Pulisic and Rafinha. We'll let that one sit. Other moves. Obviously, Brendan Aronson to Leeds was uh, as good as it gets with a, a player for $30 million putting in the work and making that next step. Now, Tyler Adams rumored to be heading to Leeds United. Calvin Phillips, one of the best holding midfielders in the Premier League. He starts for England. 
apparently making a big move to Manchester City. That should tell you, speak volumes about the quality of the player. And Tyler Adams is a guy that can get in there. Now, Leeds are going to have Rafinha money. And they're going to want to have to build some attacking players. And how about this for Jesse Marsh? You know, you're at Leeds and you have some money in the coffers. But they still have to be pretty savvy. They may be facing another relegation battle next season. So they have to be pretty savvy. Tyler Adams is a uh, is an inexpensive option to be. But I feel he's going to be a stopgap, right? He's going to be brought into play. But is it... Uh, is his job going to be safe? I mean, those are huge shoes to fill. We cannot put Tyler Adams in Calvin Phillips' league right now. Tyler Adams is a, a wonderful player, destroyer, ball winner, pretty good support player, distributor, decent, but uh, still has some things to... Not really his game in the same in the same mold of a Calvin Phillips. But I think Leeds would be happy to get, or Jesse Marsh would be happy to get someone that he's familiar with, put him in there, and certainly hope that he can develop into that position. He's still a really good player, even though he didn't have the best season with a Red Bull Leipzig, certainly in comparison to previous seasons. So uh, that's in play. That's exciting. And we talked about it here, too, that Leeds United could be this Team America. Juventus could be Team America at this point. I mean, Team America is popping up everywhere. There's so many moves, and I don't want to sit here and rattle them all off. But um, there are some big stories that uh, rise above. Now, there's some of these guys that I'm excited that they're not moving. You know, Ricardo Pepe reports that he's really settling in with Augsburg, and it's a it's a it's a great opportunity with a new club. He's going to have to work for playing time still, but I'm going to be really keen to see how he progresses. I think it's going to be better than last year because it can't get any worse. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. Kevin Paredes didn't play at Wolfsburg. Uh, Derek Ray, a, uh, some, I just saw it on Twitter. It was a Twitter thread uh, with some quotes from Kevin Paredes and talking about how hard it has been for him, uh, adjusting, living by himself. He had uh, John Brooks as a uh, as a mentor. Brooks uh, moving on, it would, all, would appear. I don't know if that's final with that move to Hoffenheim. So uh, Paredes is growing up. He's done the hard part, and I think he is ready to make an impact. We need some fullbacks to step up. So that's a big story as it applies to the U.S. men's national team. All this transfer stuff applies to the U.S. men's national team because we're in a World Cup year. The same way we talk about Gareth Bale to LAFC, it's a World Cup year. Wales are going. It's important where he goes because he needs to be ready for Qatar. So that brings us to the goalkeeping situation. And it's a lot more promising. Matt Turner, official to Arsenal. Burnt Leno's still there too. But I, I, you don't bring in Turner with that money and to be the, a third string keeper. He's going to be the backup. I'm sure Leno will find another club. And the competition now with Aaron Ramsdale, which is attainable. Ramsdale's still a top, top keeper. They like him at Arsenal. But maybe they fall in love with Matt Turner. He just needs to get a sniff. He doesn't need to get a lot of games to still be the U.S. number one keeper. Let's set it at, it's not going to be a lot of cup games. I don't think there are any cup games. Let's set it at three starts. Because how many games are they going to play from August, September, October? You're going to 15 games? Let's say four. Hopefully he can get into those games. And that will help him in the big picture of thing. And uh, 
that should keep him pretty buoyant. Now, the other big one is Zach Steffen. And we I talked on my YouTube. Check out Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. I didn't know where Zach Steffen was going to go. There was photos of him at Inter-Miami. I go, do we come back to MLS? And I would say, yes, if that's the place where you can get games. Because Man City signed a keeper, so he's now third in the pecking order. He said he wanted out. This is what happens if you, you ask. And he's going to get a loan. Sometimes you almost wish it would be, he would be sold. But I really couldn't think of a better option for getting playing time than going to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough almost got promoted last season. They were just out of the playoff spots. And they just loaned out their starting goalkeeper from last season. Um, Chris Wilder's in charge of Middlesbrough, and he likes to bring in loaned players, and he hopes Zach Steffen can be the guy to get them back into the Premier League. We talked about maybe going to Germany, but this makes sense. This is a good spot. It's a champion. By the way, we all have to watch the championship now, huh? We got Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent's another one I'm going to keep an eye on. He stayed at Norwich. He could be the guy there. This is a this is a good spot. You don't have to be in the t- elite clubs, the elite leagues. But this is a good one for Zach Steffen. He's gonna get games, but he has to deliver because this it's so important for Middlesbrough, who had a good cup run too. Remember, they got to the semifinals or quarterfinals of the FA Cup. But this is a big spot here for certainly Zach Steffen if it goes through. There are so many more. I can't even, I mean, everyone's in play. Gianluca Busio. Uh, we we talked about uh, Ethan Horvath. I mean, what's he going to do? He's still in the mix here as a goalkeeper. Who's going to come from MLS and join these players over there in Europe? It's going to be pretty seismic. Not all the moves that we expect are going to happen, but many of them are, and I, I'm I'm excited with the news. Oh, Jordan Peefock to Union Berlin. If you don't know a lot about Union Berlin, it's just this hardworking club that's become the best team in the German capital because Hertha has hit some hard times. No nonsense, not big name players. They have a collective and they have looked to Peefock to be their, their striker. If he can get the minutes there, woof. Does he get him on the national team? Doesn't seem like uh, it's meant to be for PFOC, but if you get goals in the Bundesliga and uh, Greg Berhalter's got a good relationship with that league, maybe. But this is exciting stuff across the board. The Soccer OG, great to be back here. Terra Firmer in the United States. Really enjoyed my time in Europe. If you get a chance there, as I said in my last podcast, take your family, uh, find a cheap ticket. They're out there. Go wherever. Go wherever it is. Don't say I'm going to London. Don't say I'm going to Barcelona. Say, okay, we're 650 bucks. We're going to Oslo. Do it. And come back after four or five days. You'll be a little worse for wear. I'm just getting back from my jet lag, but it was all worth it. Check out the Soccer OG YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Check out the Soccer OG podcast catalog. It's going to be a really fun few months. I will take good care of you here. Talk to you very soon. A new podcast coming out on the weekend. Great guests lining up to be here. Until then, Placido Domingo.